Good morning. Happy Monday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, applications for the Intensive 16 are closed. If you've been trying to apply, you've probably noticed this already. We hit our target for a total number of applications very, very quickly. Um, so I had to close it down. Um, those of you that are still interested in applying, um, you'll have a chance probably in about a month. We've got to figure out those dates for April, but we'll we'll let you know. Um, if you would like to be notified first, you got to get on the email list. Just go to any blog on BillHartmanPT.com, and at the end of the blog, you can put your email in there, and you will be notified first next time the applications are open for the intensive. Digging into today's Q and A, uh, this is with Alec. Alec asked a great question. It started off uh, discussing about the influence of, of arm bars, and it turned into directions of force related to the phases of propulsion. So early is is accepting the force, late is obviously producing force. Um, and so we can distinguish activities using those circumstances. We can build those into activities to, to emphasize a certain aspect of propulsion. So this is gonna be a really good uh, question for a lot of people that are, are trying to select activities to match the demands and needs of the circumstance. So thank you, Alec. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line, and we will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, um, so I'm still... Um, so my question is, knowing that we have iteration in terms of representation from yeah. like a ipsilateral, um, lately I've been thinking a lot about armbar and trying to figure out how we can gain um, movement option from them. So sure. now I'm at this point where I want to know what is the armbar of the hip, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like okay. I'm trying to come up with how could I have, yeah, how can I have someone kind of get like their two diaphragm parallel and and from there have motion happen at the hip to regain uh, either internal or external rotation. Like I'm, I don't know if there's something there or it's just like learn how to properly coach and choose a role and go back to uh -huh. role and sideline. Uh -huh. Or is there like an actual way to kind of get an arm bar done? Because yeah. I can fit, I can I can envision how we can have it be done like in a closed chain environment, yeah. right? Where you're on the pelvis is on top of the femur. Yeah. I would like to see if you there's. I wonder if you have a solution where we can do the, yeah. the other way around yeah. so that we we yeah. gravity is less of an enemy. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So uh, all you have to do is have so so think about think about what you're what you're driving, right? Um, in regards, so you're fixing the hand in space. Is that fair? Like it's in yeah. space, and then you're so you're driving the relationship um, from. So if I if I if I'm laying on my side and I'm twisting my arm, right? Yeah. I'm driving I'm driving the range of motion from hand to shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that hand is fixed in space. So this is this is the dilemma with calling something open chain versus closed chain, right? Which I was wondering how much of a hot take that was going to be for you. I was wondering if yeah. you were going to go a hot chain. 
Right. Because <laughs> like if, if you look at if you look at the original definition of closed chain and open chain, that the guy's name is Scheindler that that came up with that concept, it's pretty vague. Right. And what he says is, is when the extremity meets a significant resistance. Okay. And so that's this this creates what, what we would consider like the reversibility of the of the influence. It's like, is it coming from proximal to distal? That would be closed chain, right? If it comes from distal to proximal, that would be open chain. Okay. Okay. But what is a significant resistance? Well, it's not, it's not so much the significant resistance other than the fact that what, what I have to understand is what direction is the force going? Okay. Anything that would promote an early representation from the foot to the pelvis would be distal to proximal. That's an arm bar. So just because, okay. it's not, just because the foot's not on the ground doesn't mean that the mechanical element is not following that principle. Okay? Okay. Because, what, because the arm bar fixes the hand, relatively speaking, fixes the hand in a space, right? And then you just promote the turn. So it's, it's the direction that the mechanics are going is what is the determining factor. Am I driving this from the center of my body outward, okay? Which is starting from the IR representation and reducing the IR representation as I move distally, or am I bringing the IR towards me from, the, from distal to proximal, okay? Okay. This is flying over my head a little bit here. I'm not, I'm like, I understand that the direction is different, but I'm not sure I okay. understand the physics that would draw the line between distal to proximal or proximal okay. to distal. I can help you. I can help you. This is going to be real simple, crazy simple. You ready? Wonderful. Okay. You're standing in place. Yeah. You jump forward mm -hmm. and you land with your left foot out in front of you. Yes. What direction did the, did, the, did the reaction force come from and, and where does it go? Does it go from the ground into you or from you into the ground? Which, is one, which one is greater? Upon landing? Yes, sir. Um, landing with be, It would be me going down, going no. into the ground. See, see that's, let, let, and let me give you the other representation, okay? You land on your left foot and it's out in front of you. Your body continues to move forward and then you oh, push okay, off okay. the ground to the next, to the next step. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the difference? Yeah. It's yeah, early yeah. propulsion to late propulsion. So the difference between early and late is the direction that the, that the force is going. Okay. 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 Now I see. Okay. Now I see. Okay. And so that's, so literally what, what the arm bar is, is a representation of that. Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> does that does that make sense? That's I is. I I think so. Um, um so so basically then like um so the equivalent of let's say so when I do a supine arm bar, I would be going from early to middle 
at the shoulder joint, let's say. Potentially, yes. Okay. And then the sideline equivalent, let's say, would be going from middle to late at the hip. Hang on. Let me. Okay. Yeah. Not, not needing the hip to be on, on the side as the arm okay. is, just, yeah. just uh, conceptually. Let's, hang on. Let's, let's talk about the arm for a sec. Okay. okay. So you're in a supine arm bar? Yeah. Okay. As you internally rotate. Yeah. The internal rotation is go from, it's going to go from your hand to your shoulder. Yes, that I get it. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. To externally rotate, I have to untwist the internal rotation. So I'm that's starting. Gonna, that's going to come from my shoulder to my hand. Okay. Right. So it's the mechanical element that you're trying to reproduce. It's not whether the foot's on the ground or not. Okay. You understand? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So anything that would re reproduce those mechanics is the same. Okay. So like just let's say having someone on their back, if they have enough hip flexion pointing at the floor and kind of going in, like um, bringing the big toe towards midline, that would be kind of initiated at the foot first. And then getting out of that, that would be proximal uh, external rotation of the hip. If I'm understanding you, yes, I think you're correct. Okay, okay, okay. But again, don't don't try to don't try to do a leg armbar. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, ju you know I'm just trying to it's figure like, out like, like, like look at the mechanics of what is happening under those circumstances, right? Yeah. Because again, um, if you do a uh, if you do a uh, you ever do a T push up. Uh, like you're going down, going out, and and you you turn into you 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 turn into like a side plank through your hands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. at the top of a push-up, you mean? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so that is the untwisting of the arm bar. Yeah. Okay, but you're changing the orientation of the body. Mm -hmm. But it's the same mechanics yeah, as yeah, you yeah, doing yeah. this. Which one has more load on it? It would be the it would push be up the, probably the, has more load on it, right? It'd be harder, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm trying to induce the mechanics and the intensity of the activity, the magnitude of the activity is too high that I can't get the the joint excursion that I want, and I'm using compensatory strategies. Would it behoove me to try to drive those mechanics with a lesser magnitude? How would yes. I do that? Oh, I put a kettlebell in your hand now, and now I can induce those those same mechanics, and then eventually this can become the T push-up. So this is where just by nature of the foot and the hand, where one is more suited to have weight on top of it and the other one to interact with, it, it just makes more sense to go for, let's say, a hip airplane or stuff, stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Hip airplane is, is the arm bar, right? Yeah. Put on the ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then. But, but, but add... hang on, hang on. So is a split squat. So is a front foot elevated split squat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we have to look at the mechanics of what's happening here. Okay. Like, yeah. You only have so many options, right? In fact, you got cool. two. Yeah. In right? and out, up and down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Cool. Does that oh, help thank you? you. Yeah, yeah. I I I took what I understand about the arm bar and I kind of exported it to the hip, and now it kind of it makes sense a little bit. I mean, I, I suppose I, you could hook a I suppose you could hook a kettlebell on your foot and like hold your leg up and you know. Yeah, I thought about doing that, but uh, I would try it on myself, not on my client. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like, is there an activity? 
Okay. Well, um, um, there, hang on, there's hang on. Un momento, un momento. What, go, say, say it again. What were you going to say? I was, I was thinking like you could have someone be on their back or sideline with a bend, like either on the inner or outer tie and kind of roll against that. That would be an equivalent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, you ever, you ever seen ballet class? Yeah. You know the bar? Yeah. You know the bar? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So here's what they do. They throw their foot up on the bar and then they turn their body relative to their foot. Yeah. That would be a very low load activity, but it also requires that you're able to accomplish that position. Well, right? like rolling with your leg, because like I'm more thinking yeah. making yeah. stuff easier for, uh, but like rolling with your leg on top of something, like on a foam roller. Yes. Like for elderly, that's probably a good starting point. Okay, cool, wonderful. But what you're seeing now, you're seeing the mechanical element of it and you're going, yeah. oh, it's just all the same, isn't it? And it's, yes, it is all the same. You don't have that many options. It looks like we do because we can, you know, do all sorts of stuff, right? Did everybody get that part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is perfect. All right. An interesting Tuesday coming up. The blind readings for the uh, for the applications to the intensive 16 start today. Hopefully, have those done by the end of the week so I can get everybody notified and we can get rolling on prerequisites. Um, so be looking for that later this week if you applied. Digging into today's Q and A. This is with Christian. So Christian is working with a young athlete that's recovering from a femur fracture. The, the thing that I want to draw your attention to um, in this Q&A, um, you might say that, oh, femur fracture is not really that interesting. What I want you to pay attention to, though, is how Christian's breaking down the chessboard. He's doing a great job doing that. He has a very specific intention as to what he's trying to do. But, but we also talked about how we're going to go about arriving at solutions for, for activities. If you understand what you're looking at, so if you have a strong representative model and you can understand what you're looking at, the exercises sort of sort of select themselves based on the desired outcome. If we can understand what we're looking at, we know what we need to do, and then we, we can select better choices um, for activities and eliminate, even more important, eliminate interference. So for instance, there's a point in this, in this Q&A that comes up where Christian's talking about doing suitcase carries, and you have an asymmetrical representation in this individual, you don't have to do the same exercises on both sides of the body. So people that are chasing some sort of like right-left balance um, is really unnecessary, especially when you have an asymmetrical representation, which is what we're actually gonna talk about. So if you've had questions about some sort of oblique orientations or how to drive more ER versus IR on one side versus the other, this is gonna be a great Q&A for you. So thank you, Christian. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Um, don't forget, go to the uh, YouTube channel, get all these videos, and we will see you tomorrow. Christian. Hey, Bill. So I, uh, my question is, um, I have a 15-year-old with a um, ORIF fracture of the distal right femur. And, femur? Uh, so this femur, yep. Did you say distal. femur? Yes, sir. Yep. Ouch. Okay. So uh, we're five weeks in, this is our, with me, it's, it'll, it's the third visit. So she has a real gnarly limp 
going on. I can imagine. So um, this last time that I saw her, she's having less pain. She's having a lot less pain than, than the first time, but the limp is still there. So yeah. the very first time she came in, the way that it looks is her, she's kind of leaning her trunk to the right. Yes, sir. Her left hip is hiking up and kind of yes, circumducting yep. around. Absolutely. Yep. And so I put her on the table to take some measurements. And what I found was actually, oh, so both Ober's test was positive, but it had actually less hip adduction on the right side. So the right side was actually felt stiffer being yeah. measured. Yeah. Then, but at 90 degrees, the right hip had a little more IR. So 15 okay. degrees of IR. The left yep. had less, yep. um, less IR, about yep. 10 or so. Yes, sir. Then um, on the right side, it had about 45 degrees of ER, which was less than the 60 on the left. The left yep. had more ER. Yep. And straight leg raise was on the right side, about 60 degrees, and on the left, about 65. Uh-huh. And um, so we worked on bringing her back first. We did some 90-90 things. And, um, and then on the next session, we did some chopping. Uh, Can I stop you? Yes. OK. What is a limp for? Um, to produce force into the ground. OK, which would be ER or IR? IR. OK. Is it normal relative motion IR? Um, no. Not Absolutely right. not. OK. So this is going to describe your, your Ober's test. Mm -hmm. OK. So if, if she is limping into the ground, so she is side bending, right? That was what, what visually, that's what people would describe this. It's actually a turn inward, right? We know that, okay? So she's IRing through her axial skeleton to create a downward force on the inside part of her foot because if she doesn't do that, it hurts her knee, mm -hmm. correct? Or her leg, probably. So yes. it's, it's very uncomfortable right now for her to produce that force. So she creates an artificial IR to get the downward force. So she uses body mass to push down. That's what a limp is, but it's going to alter the orientation. Okay. So um, if I was, if I was a wide ISA individual, would I have a very steep helical angle or, or a more oblique helical angle? More oblique. Okay. And so would that tip the right side of the pelvis forward more? Uh, if it was more oblique. Yes, sir. Uh, it would. If I, am I, am I on a flatter turn or am I on the oblique? Based on my helical angle under those circumstances. If it was more oblique, I think it would be, um, I think it would be more the left side going further forward up and over okay so it'd be it'd be it'd be tipped on the oblique axis oblique which, which axis. would bring the right side forward which would take away the er measure on the right side yes that's literally what you just described okay yeah so she's using an, an oblique orientation in the pelvis to orient the leg over top so, so to so to get her mass to go down through the leg 
Okay. And then she has to create an IR strategy that she can't produce in the hip. Right. So the IR that she's producing is going to be more spine. It's going to be more pelvis orientation. Right. Okay. So that's the strategy that she's using. So, so that's what you want to recognize first is what are they doing under the circumstances? Yep. Okay. Now the question mark is, is why did she choose to do that? Where can she not produce internal rotation? Mm-hmm. Okay. To where can she not produce internal rotation into the ground? Okay. Now you got a femur fracture and you said, you said it was an ORIF. Yep. Okay. So they stuck a rod in her femur. So now you got to say, well, what's the orientation at the knee? How much relative motion do I have at the foot? How much relative motion do I have at the pelvis? Okay. Mm-hmm. It may be, is she, is, does she still have symptoms? Like she's still painful? So no, the last day she didn't complain of any pain. We were, we were able to actually get both of her hips to, to get, you know, negative overs test. Also- There you go, um, you're on the right track. Yeah, so we, we got all of that range. So the limp is starting to clear up. Yeah. Um, I was kettlebell carries, or, um, a suitcase carries. Yep. Looks a whole lot better when she holds it in the right hand versus yeah. the left. Yeah. Like it's bad when she holds it on the left. Like she'll swing her right arm to try to balance her out. And it's a re- it makes a, a worse limp. But when she holds it in the right hand, it almost looks normal. So um, um, that's awesome. part. I'm, I'm not sure if I should do more right-handed or find the ways. I want her to get good at both. I'm not hey, sure about that part. What are you trying? What are you trying to recapture when you put the weight in the right hand? ER on the right, IR on yeah. the left. Yeah. So, so there you go. This is this is okay. Uh, uh, who who were we talking about? Was it with the split squat? Uh, was that Taya? Taya. Taya. Yep. Yeah. Taya. So, so, has, so I think I think my patient has also an oblique, a right oblique. That's what I'm saying is like, like, so she's behaving on the right oblique, which, which is a, a greater deficit of ER on the right side. You put the yes. weight on the right side. You don't have to coach her in anything. You just say, Hey, go to go for a walk with this thing in your right hand. Exactly. Yeah. So like you're, and again, the fact that you're cleaning all this stuff up, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. You're on the right track. But so think about, think about the destruction that's associated with a femur fracture, number one, yeah. right? I mean, this is, that's a toughie. Like, like um, I had a, a jumper like 18 years ago that, that fractured her femur. She was actually on track to go to the Olympics. She was a long jumper and she fractured her femur and then that ended her career. But, but, but point being, it's like, it's, it's a nasty injury. Yeah. People don't appreciate the fact of how difficult this is. But now think about the interplay at the knee where you have all of this musculature that's trying to twist the femur and they put a rod in the femur. Mm-hmm. So you have an alteration of the normal behavior of the bone itself. You have true, true deficits in muscle force producing capability that you have to address. Yes. Right. So that's going to influence her, her ability to produce IR. Right. 
So there's still, there's, this is, this is like a, a little bit of a fitness problem, not just pure mechanics. Now you're going to look, you're going to have to like produce some muscle mass. So you have the force producing capabilities because she's substituting for that to a degree. I don't know how much of that would be that influence, but like I said, you're on track with your mechanics. Like you're doing exactly what you need to do for the mechanics. Right. So I'm not worried about that. Just make sure that you're covering all bases. Like you might need a little bit of muscle mass here. Force production. Muscle yeah. Mass. Yeah. Okay. Cross-sectional area, right? right? So, so cross-sectional area is, is directly related to how much force a muscle can produce. The question mark is, is number one, can she acquire the positions to do it? That's a big step because you can work on that without having to create a bunch of overload. But at some point in time, you may have to superimpose um, some, some true increase in cross-sectional area here. That's one of those, that's one of the problems with, with like post-surgicals is that that's an element of, of the solution because people lose muscle mass over time. Right. Now, thankfully it's the easiest thing to do. Increasing muscle mass is easy from a strategy standpoint, effort, obviously difficult, right? You gotta, you gotta work hard at it, but, but as far as the solution goes, it's a very simple part of the, of the process. Right, restoring the mechanics. Restoring the mechanics. That means you have to understand where they are, what your intention is, and then being able to determine when you're arriving at the appropriate solution. And like I said, it sounds like you're really on point there. You're doing the right stuff. Got it. You don't have to do things on both sides of the body. Right. Mm. So when you're talking about your carries and stuff, it's like you don't have to balance left carries with right carries because that's not the problem. The problem is that you have you have an asymmetrical representation. Guess what? You need an asymmetrical loading strategy. Okay. So you would rather do the carry on the right where it looks good and until she has enough force. Does she, have, does she pass the eyeball test, right? It's yeah, like that I mean, matters. The right hand, it looks almost complete. It almost clears up the limb. All day, every day. She doesn't need to carry anything in her left hand. At least not uh, yet. At least not, not yet. yet. Got it. Right? Oh, got it. So yeah. focus on that cross-sectional. Um, well, it's not, like I said, at some point, it's like whatever her the, the loading tolerance is going to be like, uh, where's her healing at this point? How much muscle mass is she at deficit? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's part of it. It's part of it. And monitor the ranges of motion. And, Absolutely. And then, and then, as far as clearing up the limbs, so now that we have that range of motion available, what kinds of things, as far as like motor learning, do you like to use? What, to, what's not motor learning? Yeah, that's right. What part so is not just, motor learning? Very true. So, yeah, simply that. that hey, hang on a second, boss. Hang on. You put the kettlebell in her right hand. Mm -hmm. And then the behavior changes, right? Yeah. Is that motor learning? That is, that is, yes. Awesome. Okay, hang on. Um, let's let, we could use Taya's question from before, okay? If I increase the number of motor units that can produce concentric um, uh, muscle orientation and lift more weight, is that motor learning? Yes, yes, it yes. is. It is right. Mm -hmm. So the fitness part is still motor learning. Like it's all motor learning. If you want to get technical about it. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. You, you, you notice I don't talk about motor learning very much. 
That's right. That's right. Because it's all motor good. learning. If you're sitting watching TV all day, that's are you learning. are you using are you using motor behavior? Yes. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Are you? Mm -hmm. And if you do it enough times, do you get better at it? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're learning. It's just learning. It's just learning, it's learning. right? Yeah. If we just look at it from that perspective, it's like learning is the rule. Yeah. We can say mo We can put motor in front of it, so we have a little bit better idea of what we're we're looking at from a frame of reference, but it's all the same. So the other things I tried to do as far as shifting her into the side and doing some throws with the rebounder, uh -huh. and just trying to keep good alignment. So that way it's like a distraction, but she's still also um, uh, loading that, you know, both sides. So, so what a great way to do a top down mm -hmm. loading strategy. So she's got to catch a ball that's coming off of a rebounder yeah ball hits her when she catches it that force has to go down into the ground right exactly so so where do you want to put her where do you want to put her in in reference to her feet yeah so where do you want to put her where do you want to put her so she has an er representation and then can superimpose ir on it say it say it ivan on her left foot Okay, wait a minute. She's got two feet on the ground. Where are you putting the left foot? Uh, the, uh, back, backwards. Yes. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So you give her, you give her an early ER representation, right? So it's a short stagger. So we don't want to get too far away from middle peak because we want downward force. But I, but I stagger her a little bit here, right? She's catching the ball straight through the middle, and now I have the ER representation that you wanted, right? It's just like your, it's just like your right suitcase carry. Right. It's just like Taya's right foot forward split squat. Mm. You see? Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So again, you're so the exercises start to point like the exercises teach you the best place to put things as long as you understand what your intention is. They call it neuro and ortho. It doesn't matter. It's human and human. Good morning, happy Wednesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, well, today is Wednesday. That means that tomorrow's Thursday. That means that tomorrow, 6 a.m. coffee and coaches conference call as usual. Great calls, great people. If you have not joined us, please do so. Grab a cup of coffee, join us for some early morning Q&A, get your day started off right if you are a therapist, a coach, or just somebody that's really deeply interested in how people move. Um, quick update. Um, we got the first cut of the uh, intensive applications done. We're down to about 30 or so. Got to pull eight out of that. Should be able to do that by the end of the week and let you guys know. Uh, digging into today's Q&A. This is with Jordan. Um, Jordan is a student and he's working with a broad scope of, of patients. And this is a situation where somebody might be branded a neurologic patient or an orthopedic patient. The thing that you wanna recognize if you have an effective model, it doesn't really matter because the principles will hold. There's still only two ways to move through space, through compression and expansion. Again, two strategies, one plane, always keep that in mind, regardless of the type of individual that you're working with. So when the principles hold, it's a wonderful thing. And so this is a great representation of that. So even if you don't work with those that are classified as, as a neurologic patient, you will see the principles come out in this discussion, um, which is very, very powerful, very, very useful, and it simplifies things 
dramatically. So thank you, Jordan, uh, for bringing this question. I got a little excited on this Q&A too, if, if memory serves. Um, so this is actually a, a fun one to kind of watch, but watch it all the way through. It's very, very useful. If you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. We will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it, um, don't wanna forget that part. And we will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Coffee and Coaches Conference Call. Have a great day. Um, I was wondering, we were talking about the hands, and um, it made me think we had this one patient. Um, he was he had a, like, left occluded artery. He kind of presented with, like, kind of like a stroke. He had a, a oh, left yeah, okay. occluded okay. artery. So, like, and so real quick, finger flexion, is that ER or IR in your model? Because that was his – or finger opposition – So that, okay. So he had the biggest issues with like his um, uh, pinky and his ring finger. Right. And so my thought process was um, he kind of presented like a stroke. I don't know, way back we talked about they're very like compressed because that's like a strategy of theirs. Well, again, um, they'll, be, they'll be more compressed on the unaffected side. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, just to clear. And just to be clear. Mm -hmm. When I don't know if it was the, like the neuro symptoms or like if it was a neurological issue, but like, how do I distinguish in that scenario going after recapturing positions so that he's able to physically capture ER, that finger opposition versus it's like a result of the left occluded artery. Or do I go after recapturing the position regardless? Like, or am I just like okay. doing the punching? How are you going to measure? How are you going to measure the neurologic aspect of it? I try and he just keeps trying to do it. I What's guess. The scale? I What's the scale? I guess there is no scale. Okay. So, so, so think pressures and volumes. Okay. Make it mechanical. You know you've got a neurologic insult. Fair? Yeah. Okay. And so the extent of that is whatever representation he brings to the table. So you're going to evaluate him. You're going to say, hey, what can you do? Right? What motions do you have available to you? So, so you're going to measure him just like you do anybody else. Okay. And then you're going to observe and see what he can and can't do. Where can he create support? Where can he create compression? Okay. And then depending on what he can and can't do, you've got to drive the expansion and compression on the unaffected side to help him capture a position on the other side, right? So the way that you create compression in a space that he can't compress is you expand the other side to such a degree that the other side is relatively compressed. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. So what do you, so you're just trying to get opposition? That was his biggest like issue. Chief okay, so from a thumb perspective, that's an IR representation, right? That's pronation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're going to have to drive IR strategy from the shoulder downward. Does that make sense? I was doing the opposite. Okay. Okay, hang on. Let's talk this through. Let's talk this through. Um, give me... Give me a representation of internal rotation 
from proximal to distal. Is it left? It's left extremity that he's. Yeah. Okay. So from proximal to distal, how can I drive IR from here to there? Arm at 90, scapula. Okay, but that's going to be a sucky way to do it for him, isn't it? Because it's really hard. Yeah. Okay. Is IR up or down? Down. Down. Okay. Um, if I'm standing up on my foot, doesn't matter which one, and I'm pushing into the ground, is that ER or IR? IR. Awesome. Okay. Do I want a late representation or an early representation if I'm trying to drive IR from proximal to distal? Say late. Early. <laughs> Say late. Late. Okay. So picture this. Can he sit upright? For the most part, we use a mirror. Okay, but he can sit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You got him sitting on the edge of the mat table? Chair. We don't have a mat table, but. We need a table. Okay. You need a, you need a table. You got to have him on a table. You got to put him in a seated position, feet on the ground. Okay. Left hand down on the table. Extended. So he's propped like that. Okay. Hands down on the table. It's the hand is now a foot. I just anchored it to the ground. Got it? Yeah. Okay. Now, if I'm trying to create a late representation on that left side, do I want the spine to turn away from the hand or towards the hand? Away. Perfect. How can I make the spine turn away in that, in that position using the unaffected side? a right arm reach? Maybe. What if I, um, so he's like this, so he's uh -huh. propped like this, okay. What if I do that? That seems easier. <laughs> okay. So you start there, right? So now I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a PNF diagonal. There's my late, there's my early, there's my late, you see it? And then I take the arm and then I start to superimpose the arm motion on the other side and I'm driving early and late representations from right side to left side and it's all going into his hand. So, if he can support himself through the shoulder and maybe you got to support the elbow initially to give him that sensation of compression through that side. Cause he's got to be able to compress here, right? He's got to learn how to feel the compression through the extremity from, from prox or from proximal to distal. Okay. And then he'll get that. You see it? Yeah. My, that, that answers because I was going to ask for neuro. You learn, I think it's called like approximation, and then the um, the PNF scapula where they talk about you start proximal, then they're able to like reach their arm stuff. And I was going to ask how that applies to your 
how that pl plays into your model, but um, you answer that. You just, you just did it. Okay. Yeah, no, but, but see, you. but see, here's, but here's, here's the difference. It, it's like, am I doing it from distal to proximal hand is free to move or am I driving it from here? And I think you want to drive it from here because if I do it from proximal to distal, that gives me the compressive strategy on this side mechanically. It's, it's the, uh, Timus. If, if I don't have a foot on the ground, how much IR can I produce? Uh, not too much. Not too much. So this goes back to Timus's question when we're talking about stepping forward and creating the IR representation. I want to anchor the hand so that I can create the IR and the compressive strategy. So think about this for a second, Jordan. Um, if I do that, if I push this in, okay, yep. does that push me down onto my ischial tuberosity on this side? Yeah. Okay. Now put your left foot on the ground. Do the exact same thing. Does that push my medial heel into the ground on the left side? Do you think he's going to try to walk? Wow. Do you think, do you, do you think he's going to try to walk? Probably not because he can't. Well, it, maybe he can't yet because he can't put force into the ground because he's expanded on the left side. But I can teach him how to put pressure through the ischial tuberosity on that side, which is an IR representation, which is forced down into the ground. I can teach him to capture a foot position and I can actually approximate, approximate that foot into the ground as he's doing his little activity. And guess what? I'm teaching him to coordinate pressure into the ground. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can't guarantee that he'll be able to walk, but imagine if he could control himself in a seated position where he can shift his weight around and actually make that side useful. But you're going to have to use the unaffected side to help you do that. That, yeah, that you seems see, way easier. You see how this works? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. He coincidentally actually has like left knee pain and he like can't walk on his left foot like he like limps over it like he doesn't like why would his knee hurt he's trying to produce ir in an er representation you he see can't. the rules they start showing up over and over and over again this is no different than working with an athlete that we're trying to get to capture the medial heel to produce force into the ground they, they walk in <clears throat> they got lateral knee pain what do i got to do i got to get proximal ir to e or proximal ir um, first drive that IR distally into the ground so they can produce force in the appropriate knee position. It's no different, dude. Just because it's, they call it neuro and ortho, it doesn't matter. It's human and human. The rules wow. don't change. There's only, there's only two ways to move. I get bigger, I get smaller. You just got to look at the representations and then a little bit of thought and creativity. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. You're gonna, that makes a lot of sense. Thank be, you. I'm not telling you this is going to be easy. Okay. What I am offering though, is a strategy that will give you the best shot. Okay. It's yeah. still going to suck. It's still going to be hard and you still may fail. Okay. Um, how far along is this guy? Like how, how, how recent? 
it happened, I think, late August. So it's been a okay. Awesome. No, no, no. You got a nervous system that you got a nervous system that that is is somewhat recovered. Okay. Sometimes they start re, they start stroke rehab too soon. Um, yeah, it's a problem. The nervous think about it. The nervous system went through the, like the worst shock it's ever experienced, and then I have a I have a I have a nervous system that is not receptive to learning anything because it's trying to recover. They start rehab too soon, thinking that oh we've got to get it started because the, the longer we wait, no no no, this is a duration problem. You got to you you're you're actually in a really good time here, okay? Um, and and but but you but he needs reps 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 like crazy reps okay, okay. he's Good. someone you wouldn't like dose like an ms patient where you do a short you're like do as many as you possibly can until you can't well do anything. you don't want to drive you don't want to drive fatigue because then you lose quality what i'm talking about is exposures okay okay it's not like we're going to do a thousand reps today it's like no we're going to do 10 and then 10 and then 10 and then 10 and then 10 so chances are you're seeing them what twice a day once a day. Oh. I know. Okay. All right. Is he, is he with it? Like, yeah, yeah. Smart guy? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. You give him the simplest of activity that you possibly can that gets you the, the return on investment. And then you say every hour, I need you to find this. I need you to do your best. He will fail. It's okay. It's okay. But he needs reps. He needs exposures. It's repetition, 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 repetition. Okay. Give him something that he can feel and understand that is simple. It may just be literally, you got to, is he he's in a wheelchair? Um, rolling walker. So he's, so he is walking. Yeah. But no, I was saying like he, like he limps, like he has a hard time. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. I, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Okay. All right. So he can go up to a table, right. And he can get his left hand on the table and learn how to do what we just talked about. He can use his walker and just stand there and do it. Okay. Yeah. You just got to give him, you got to give him cues that he can understand and execute. Okay. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is Perfect. Team is, of course, drinking water on a coffee call. So I have what feels like a clarifying question. But <clears throat> Those are always nice. What's that? Those are always nice. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this gets somewhere. So I would love, I would love some clarity in my life as well. So uh, I feel like since the beginning of uh, sort of watching your content, I had trouble with the term delay strategy, uh -huh. delaying propulsion. Um, and I could understand it here and there in certain contexts or maybe intuitively. But recently I really kind of sat there and I was like, what does that mean? And so as far as I can tell, um, if I'm using a delay <clears throat> strategy, I'm basically delaying the the end of the propulsive phase, right? So I'm not I'm not delaying like I, it's not like I hit the ground and I'm like I can't propel. I have to stop doing that and and wait for it to happen because so I have to propel immediately. But 
it's it's delaying the advancement from early to late, or is it something else entirely? <clears throat> okay, so um, if if you're if you're um, let's just say you're flying to Indianapolis, okay, and you're at the airport. This actually happened to one of my clients yesterday, uh, and so you're flying to Indianapolis, and um, and they say, hey, um, we're going to be on a thirty minute delay. Does that mean that the flight is not going to get to Indianapolis? Uh, no. No, it just means it's going to be a little later, right? right. So, so it's slow. Okay. If you ever watch a dragster on TV? Hmm? Okay. How do they slow down? They use a parachute. Yeah. Are they still going forward? Hmm? Are they, they, they just go forward at a slower rate, correct? Okay. So when we talk about a delay strategy, it is an area of expansion that slows the forward progress so something else can move faster. So if I step forward with my left foot, my left foot now becomes anchored to the ground, okay? It's no longer moving forward, but the rest of me is. You understand? Yep, yep. Okay, so, so there has to be a, um, Whoever's talking, can you mute, please? Um, so there has to be a way to slow down. And that is through some measure of expansion, just like a parachute, same concept, okay? So an area will expand, okay? It will increase its volume in that area because compressive strategy would push you forward, right? Right. Okay, so if I was standing behind you and I shove you, I've compressed you and you will go in the direction that I shove you, right? On the other side, it expands and goes in that direction. So, so I have to create an area of expansion to actually just slow down a segment of the body. So another segment can move faster to allow me to continue to move in a direction. Right. Okay. okay. There are no backwards mechanics. Okay, just take it off the table. There's no backwards. So if there's no backwards, I need strategies that slow me down. That's what we're talking about, okay? So let me, let me give you a for instance, okay? Um, it, well, let's use the pelvis as an example, <clears throat> okay? So in, in, an, in an early propulsive, representation of the pelvis, which is external rotation, inhaled representation, the sacrum moves backwards on the ilium. That creates a delay because it is an expansive representation. So it's, it's expanding, okay, in the opposite direction that you are moving and right. it slows that side down so the pelvis can, can continue to move forward, okay? Because, the, and so the reason that I always say propulsion is because propulsion is going forward. We're propelling ourselves forward. Okay, so. So you just need a shape. There's a shape that would promote the expansion that would create the delay. So in the pelvis, it's the counternutation of the sacrum moving backwards on the ilium. Yep. yep. Which, is a, which is a connective tissue expansion. Okay. Right. Doesn't change the orientation of the pelvis. Right. Okay. It just slows it down. Okay. And then when we talk about 
delay strategy. So my basic understanding, obviously this is all gray, but it's like the connective tissue behavior sort of happens as a result of the seven components of force. So yes, is, is a strategy simply like, <laughs> it, like are the, is the way we're thinking about a delay strategy just like I'm not trying to move that fast, so I'm creating a greater delay strategy. Like I'm just landing, allowing my foot to fold yeah. into the ground. Like, you know, like is that... Yeah. So, so a strategy, a strategy is an overall representation of the system. Okay. So when, when I talk about the, the delay in the pelvis, it's just one part of the, of the system behaving that way. So there's a delay down in the ankle and the foot. Okay. There's a delay in the pelvis. There's a delay in the thorax. There's a delay in the in the uh, cranium, okay. So this this whole system creates a strategy that produces the delay, okay. It's a it's a coordination of of the system behaving a certain way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I use the word strategy because you can't just talk about one part of it because all of this stuff is happening at the same time. Okay. Okay. So that's, you know, I guess in some sense, the strategy would be to sort of allow one of the strategies would be to allow certain muscles to take on eccentric orientation to allow the expansion to occur. And then if I'm like, if I'm sprinting versus walking, I'm not really creating a strong delay because I'm trying to, hit the ground and immediately go to the other side, right? I'm, I'm not doing much to delay. Right, so so what would happen if you did create a, an extensive delay strategy and you're trying to sprint? I mean, you'd lose the race. Well, like, without question, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're trying to minute, so you try to minimize that because your ground contact time is like super fast when you're sprinting. Right. right. But there still has to be one. There still has to be one. Which, which would literally be uh probably an effect of the foot hitting the ground or that occurred in the different phase in sprinting well okay it can only happen if you're if you're in contact with the ground okay okay i see got it we need we need we need the forces we need the forces of, of ground contact to produce it you have to have be able, you have to have something to push on to slow you down correct right cool yeah. all right very yeah. helpful thank you uh-huh Good morning, happy Friday. I have NeuroConfi in hand and it is perfect. Okay, looking forward to a busy Friday. Uh, quick housekeeping item. The invites to the Intensive 16 went out last night. I'm getting responses on those. People accepting their invitations. We're moving them into a, a group to do their prep work. So uh, that's pretty exciting on this end of things. Um, if you did not get in, please keep applying. Um, I can only take eight at a time. We get a lot of applications, a lot of great applications. It makes me a little sick to my stomach when I have to read these and, and turn people down because I, I know their intentions are honorable and they're doing great things, but uh, we can only take eight. So thank you for applying. Thank you to those that are gonna get in um, for the 16th one. We'll, we'll uh, announce dates for uh, the intensive 17 pretty soon. Um, so we can get that system rolling as well. Okay, digging into today's Q and A. Uh, this is with Manuel and a little bit of uh, a little bit of Andrew in there too. Um, a while back, we did a simple solution video in regards to 
Um, people that have uh, lower back pain, when they lock out their deadlift and we gave them a simple solution, we actually break that simple solution down, which is a, a, a variation of a single leg um, kettlebell RDL that is very useful. The point behind this is that if you have a principle-based model and you understand the principles, you can come up with solutions to, that don't require a massive amount of, of unusual positions or, or activities, we can actually use some very simple solutions in the gym to resolve a lot of these things. Again, we have to understand the principles, and so that's what we do. We actually take those principles and we use them and, and we break this thing down. So again, be very useful for a lot of people, um, people that do pulls from the floor, Olympic weightlifters, uh, on your second pulls, we, we actually bring that up. Again, so a lot of people are gonna, gonna benefit from this one. So thank you, Manuel, and a little bit of Andrew as well. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com, put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Um, don't forget, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe there. The podcast will be up on Sunday, and I'll see you next week. Manuel. Morning, Bill. Greetings. I have a, I have a question that I think is kind of quick. I was, um, I was looking at one of your simple solutions, and... It was about uh, back pain in the lockout of a deadlift. And one of the, uh, the solution was to do a, a single leg RDL with two kettlebells. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was, I, I was trying to think about how, how that works, but I was, I was getting stuck. So I was wondering if you could walk through what, uh, like how that's working. Okay. Yep. So, um, Think about the way people tend to finish a deadlift. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then think about the position that you would be in. So um, at the end of a deadlift, okay, where would your bias be um, in regards to um, uh, like the, the propulsive strategy? Middle. Okay. So you're going to be, you're going to be, if you were standing, I would agree with you. Okay. However, you got a load in your hands now. Okay. What's that going to, what's the guy? So if, if you were in middle, if you're middle and um, you're, the force would be straight down. Right. Okay. Um, it'd be right through your middle of your base of support, but now you've got a load displacement. Okay. And, and so you're going to have to push yourself forward into that. You understand how it would change your center of gravity just a little bit? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's going to push you a little bit forward off of middle. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you're trying, but you're trying to stay back. And okay. Trying to stay back would be what? Trying to stay back would be what? Or trying to get, I guess, to a uh, earlier representation. Well, well, it wouldn't be because late, here's what most people do. Here's what most people do. Here's what most people do is they, is they, they, they're using a much later strategy to finish their deadlift. So they're, yeah. they're, they're compressing the base of the sacrum really hard. So it's not just straight down as if you were standing, it's down and forward. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so what, what does that, what does that take us out of? It takes us out of middle. Okay. Huh? Moves you more towards late. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so now they're, now you're producing force in an ER representation, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, which can be problematic because people walk around like this all the time. It's like somebody comes in with with they come in with like SI joint pain or they get they get centralized lower back pain. They tend to be biased towards a later representation, and they're trying to produce force there. Well, you got a lot of force in your hands if this is like a heavy deadlift. Okay, a lot of compressive strategy. Okay, in a less than ideal representation. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Now, if you're in middle, if you're in middle, um, how much, like, like, and I'm talking like right at the point where you're going to produce a lot of force. Okay, so right near max P, um, how much space is there to move in? Not a lot. Not a lot. It's a very small space, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're compressing. So ER, ER and IR are, are always there, right? And then as we get closer and closer to max P, all the space between ER and IR start to disappear and then they become one, okay? And that's where motion stops. Okay, now, if I was to, if I was to take a kettlebell, okay? And I, and I, it's, I, I got it just in my right hand, okay? And if I, if I take that kettlebell and I hold it in front of my, um, my left hip, okay? All right. Which way would I be turning into that hip? Um, you're trying to internally rotate into that hip. Awesome. Okay, great. What if I had the kettlebell in my left hand and it was outside of my left foot? Um, you would orient into... Well, you would you would turn away from it. Correct. So 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 if I had it in my right hand, I'd be turning that way. If I had my left hand, I'd be turning that way. Fair. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you might. What if I got one in both hands? You go down. You go straight down. So so what I do is I I sort of cancel out the turns and I go straight down into middle P. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay. And that's. And that's still just to, so you're just trying to reinforce mid, middle P and yes, stand up relatively straight without, you know, that leaning back compensation. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Which, which is very difficult to do if you're on a single leg. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing is reinforcing where middle P is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you're just moving them back just a little bit to get them to middle P because they're finishing a little bit late. There That's you really go. Yep. Okay. There you go. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's like, um, you ever have a weightlifter with a head back pain? Oh yeah. That's why I was, that's why I was looking at it okay. and asking so, about it. So, see it. Yeah. Well, okay. And then you watch, you watch their second pull. Mm. Okay. You watch their second pull and they, they do this. They, they overdo like they, they pull their chin straight back. And yeah. then they go, Ooh, I, I, I felt that one, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. Usually what I'll see is like, once the bar gets above the knee, they tend to lean back and then the, the extension, yep. instead of looking more straight, it's more back. So they have yep. that late representation yep. on the sacral base. There you go. And then you're about back pain. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you go. And, and again, so let's go back to Andrew's question for a second. They're going forward too fast. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so Andrew, in this case, we want to create a, a slowdown through middle. We want to hold them in middle a little bit longer so they don't go into late too fast. 
so that they can push down into the ground harder. Thank you very much. Because uh, uh, Manuel, if they can push down into the ground harder, what happens? <laughs> and then they can't lift. No, no, no. If they push down into the ground like, oh. as they're they're performing their lift, instead of pushing oh. up and forward, which is what they're doing, right? They're trying to go forward too fast. They push down to the ground. What happens? No, they get a higher pull. Absolutely. You know? and, and they they go, man, that felt light. Yeah. 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 Exactly. They power snatch. They power snatch what they snatch. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Does that help? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.